2: Yes. I bet you assumed that I air guitar to this intro every time. I definitely do. Uh, Your Green Bay Packers are 2020 NFC North division champs. And thanks to a Saints loss today, now sit atop the NFC and I believe control their own destiny as they say. Um, Getting the thumbs up from Tex on the video, so that is accurate. We always like to fact check here. It was an MVP performance from the quarterback as the Packers leave Detroit victorious 31 to 24 was the final score. Oh baby, let's talk all about it. We are two Schlitz to the wind here on the uh, APC pod rapid recap. Reaction podcast at the APC pod on Twitter. I'm Zach Rapport in my new home studio in Albuquerque, New Mexico at Zach Rapport on Twitter. And I am joined by my, uh, my brother in Brown liquor here, Tex Western. How are you, man?
1: Here, here. Yeah. Cheers, no, it, uh, <laughs> cheers to you. Uh, cheers to the, the Packers and to Aaron Rogers. So I'm, I'm drinking a scotch tonight in honor of a, uh, a four touchdown game from him three through the air, one on the ground and I'm um, yeah. trying to kick back and, uh, yeah, Enjoy the rest of my my evening knowing that the Packers are sitting in the number one spot in the NFC.
2: Absolutely, man. I went for Woodford, which I, I referred to before we hit record as uh, entry-level fancy, but I think we should both give a nod to our buddy, Matub, because uh, it's his tradition to uh, to pour a brown liquor for, for a victory, and that was uh, in both of our minds as we did that without coordinating <laughs> at all. So he's with us here in spirit. <laughs>
1: That's true. Although to be fair, it doesn't really take much of an excuse for me to pour out a drama whiskey. So
2: that's true. Tuesday done
1: <laughs> pretty much, especially in the pandemic, man. It's uh all right. Well, I've, I've had a little bit of a rough day because my cat bothered me one too many times during my afternoon conference calls. So yeah, I need a drink. Let's Why pour not? a glass of bourbon.
2: Let's, let's uncork it. <laughs> um, all right, let's, let's talk football. We are going to get into, um, players themselves, but I wanted to start um, with a, a theme in the latter half of this game, ball control because tied 14 all at the half, the Packers desperately needed to find a way to score some points and play keep away and boy did they ever, they scored 14 points, controlled the ball for I believe like all but one minute of the third quarter and going yep. into the the fourth quarter as well. Tex, I got to be honest, I was both impressed and surprised by their ability to sort of thoroughly grind out a large percentage of this game that way coming out of halftime.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it, and it was funny because it looked like that first drive coming out of halftime was going to be a three and out until this phantom holding flag that nobody saw, including the announcers uh, for probably a good, almost 30 seconds after that play, um, that came in and, and from what I was reading on Twitter, there were a couple of people saying, yeah, it was absolutely a, a legitimate flag, but, um, yeah, that was, that was looking like it was going to be an ugly start to the second half. And then, yeah, they get that, uh, that, that first down via penalty. And then at that point, it's just, yep, nice, nice, steady, normal kind of Packers drive that ends in a touchdown.
2: Was it, um, was it holding against the attended receiver on that play?
1: It was, yeah, it was Oroarie who was covering MVS. Uh, and he got his hand around Rogers, him, I think, a little yep, bit. And Rogers kind of tried to to go deep to him um, up the right sideline. And and part of the reason he was uh, was not able to get to that was because he was held earlier.
2: Yeah. I saw that yeah. in real time and thought, that's a flag. And then they just kept talking and didn't mention anything. I was like, <laughs> are we not throwing a flag here? And then like, oh, by the way, there was a flag. And I was like, thank you. But um why don't we talk about the reps for a second? Because um, Packers-Lions wouldn't be Packers-Lions without a bunch of bonehead calls going both ways, man. Yeah. A terrible day. Yeah.
1: the I mean, the two reviews in the last couple minutes of the game, um, I, I, I think that was probably still a catch by Marvin Jones. I, I guess I sort of get why they ruled it. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they ruled that the play stood as an incompletion because – you know, it was really tough to to be able to see exactly when he had possession and when that first toe was down. But yeah. I, I regardless, it's a hell of an effort. Would have been a first and a goal on the half yard line. Um, I mean ultimately the, the Lions went down and scored a touchdown anyway, but that would have changed the the complexion in terms of how much time was left. Um and then the you get the one the review on the onside kick, which was just a a, a mess. And then yeah, just weird penalties and some missed flags and some some key flags and on big plays and things and the Packers defense just continually shooting themselves in the foot yeah. in the second half with penalties. Yeah. It was, it was weird out there.
2: Yeah. They had like some nine or 10, maybe more penalties on the Packers in this game.
1: Yeah. It was some huge number. Yeah. Actually it was 12, Ooh. They got 12 penalties for 68 yards. So none of them were, you know, <laughs> the big, you know, drive killing type. They had a couple right. of holding penalties, but you know, no, no big pass interferences or anything, but, Couple of those, you know, defensive holding calls and and just unfortunate things that uh, gave Detroit another shot here at, at, on on a couple of occasions.
2: Anytime I have to hear Dean Blandino like two or more times in a game, I'm just I'm not having a good time, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's never fun for sure. Uh,
2: all right, well, enough about the uh, the flags and the laundry and the zebras. Let's talk about the players. Aaron Rodgers, you mentioned what a day. Uh, he had 26 of 33. That's a 78% completion percentage, I believe, um, unless my math is wrong. You are the mathematician. I am not. Sounds right. <laughs> Sounds right. 27, <laughs> 20, 78 rather, uh, percent completion percentage, 290 yards, three passing touchdowns, no picks. And as you mentioned, the old man ran one in for a score as well. Why the hell not? Tex, what else is there to say other than, 37 year old Rogers strengthening his case for the MVP in this game.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is l- looking at the numbers. This was his one, two, three, four, five, sixth game in a row with over 70% completions, uh, a passer rating of 108 or more and multiple touchdowns. Like the, a- and I think yeah. only one of those games in there, he had fewer than eight or eight and a half yards per attempt. So yeah, this is, this is easily one of the best stretches of football that he has ever played in his career, and that goes back to the 2011 and 2014 seasons. And um, I think with uh, with Patrick Mahomes throwing three picks in an eventual win against Miami today, um, yeah, he went off for almost 400 yards, but um, he had a really ugly first half. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if, if I had a vote, which I don't, I'd certainly give it to the old <laughs> man, but admittedly I'm a little biased too. Oh
2: man. Uh let's talk about Demonte Adams for a second. Um had himself uh, a game. Well, really, let's talk about I noticed this um I was texting a little bit with with Alex Patakis, my co-host here, um during the week. Uh, and this is maybe like a layman's observation and maybe it's not even technically true. Text I'll bounce this off of you, but uh, when Adams makes that big play score uh in the first quarter um I was just kind of hit with this realization that just over the last few years, it feels like the Packers have had some good players on offense. You have your Adams and your Jones, et cetera, but the big plays don't go for touchdowns. And this year, it feels like the big plays are going for touchdowns or getting home. You're getting those plays that are worthy of like halftime highlights and other games. And um, I don't know that feels like new and fresh this year relative to the last few years. And it feels good.
1: Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying there. I mean, Adams has had a few big ones. Um MVS has had a couple of those deep balls and then he had that that big 78-yard catch and run a couple of weeks ago too. Um and even Aaron Jones with a couple of his his real long runs this year, you know, the one last week in Philly and then the first game against Detroit with that that long one. So, yeah, I see I see where you're going there. And but I mean, with Adams just ho hum another, you know, 100-yard <laughs> no 100-yard one touchdown game. <laughs> like what what more can this guy do? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. I mean, eight straight games with a receiving touchdown is just completely absurd. Yeah. Um, and so congrats to him on, on setting that team record. Yeah. With, franchise uh, record. Mark. Yep.
2: Yeah. And I, and I don't mean to, to, uh, to bring this up to say the Packers don't have any big plays. The stats obviously show otherwise over the last number of years, um, but it, it always had seemed like, oh, it's a forty-yard play that doesn't quite make into the end zone. It's like a mm. sixty-yard run and then it gets tackled at midfield or something, you know. It, and it's just touchdowns all around, just bullseye every time. <laughs> it feels it feels good and weird. Like I don't know, you know. As as we've mentioned from time to time this season, there's uh, production levels and 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 sort of inklings and whispers of. 2010 2011 those sort of early prime rogers seasons um from a production standpoint and i don't just feel it's like just feels it feels fun and also weird at the same time it's i feel like that what year is it gif (laughs) half the time
1: yeah well and and we haven't had a chance to talk about really jones's run last week with uh bakhtiari basically crossing the goal line
2: with him
1: um, that was, that was a lot of fun. Just, uh, you know, watching the big man rumble down the field, and, man, I and get winded
2: on a like, flight of <laughs> stairs. That guy is 300 pounds and he ran basically the length of the field and he appeared yeah. to be totally unfazed.
1: <laughs> friend of show Mina Kimes I saw on Twitter called that high key, the most athletic play pound for pound she's seen in football all year.
2: Oh yeah. For how big he is. It's ridiculous. Yep.
1: Yeah. So no, that was, that was a fun one. And, and I feel like another one of those that's definitely going to go down in the, uh, you know, the APC top 10 when we do that in the off season.
2: Absolutely. And really, really quickly not to get sidetracked, but you mentioned not getting a chance to talk about that play. We've been, I know we haven't produced as much podcast content in the last couple of weeks as we um, would have liked to, but as I mentioned earlier, moving to a new house, getting everything set up and, you know, life stuff happens. So I appreciate everyone bearing with us and we are here now. We're here now. That's what's important <laughs> right? <Yes. laughs> here now to celebrate the uh, the Packers as uh, division winners here. Um, I want to talk really quickly about Marquez Valdez, Scantling as well. Yes. Um, six receptions, 85 yards and a touchdown. Lesser stats than Devante and not a career day, quote unquote, for him in the stat sheet. But I would argue that it was a career day in terms of being the, his most complete performance to date. What do you think?
1: Absolutely. I, I was saying that, uh, to, to Chris Burke at APC earlier today uh, after the game. And, and yeah, without question, I think he did all of the things that you expect a, a, a good, complete wide receiver to do in this game. Yep. Tremendous hands catch, uh, contested catch on his touchdown, Um, That one was a a mind blowing play just based on, you know, the fact that he's, he's had so many issues with contested catches throughout his career and even dropping the easy ones. Um, So for him to make that play was, was gotta be a huge confidence booster. And um, yeah, I mean, he was doing it at all levels. He didn't have the deep ball today, but he was able to be productive and move the chains on, on some third downs. Uh, And, you know, he was, he was doing another uh, really, had another really good game blocking in the run game as well. So, um, props to MBS for for a really solid game all around
2: and I wanted to mention that I I heard I think it was uh, Tom Silverstein on his podcast talking about MBS um, uh, a couple days ago um, and saying something like you know there's basically two types of receivers there's body catchers and there's hands catchers and it's really really hard to be a good uh, body catcher so you should strive most players strive to be a hands catcher but either way it has seemed like to date, MBS has uh, struggled to, to pick one to really commit to be well, mm-hmm. what kind of pass catcher is he and that really resonated with me because there, there have been plays um, this past uh, season that ultimately end up being drops and you see this weird hesitation in real time from him where it's almost like in the moment he's having trouble deciding how he's going to uh, attempt the catch and yep. i just saw none of that hesitation in this game and and you mentioned the the touchdown catch it was hands all the way and he was confident all the way and it was a remarkable play
1: yeah i mean the the hesitation i almost look back at one of the best plays i feel like that uh, that illustrates that was his his long touchdown against san francisco the one where he was wide open crossing the goal line and it you know he's turned around with his you know his entire body facing rodgers and facing the ball and it sort of looked like, yeah, he was in that weird in between, like, you know, how am I going to catch this thing? Yeah. Um, and you know, thank goodness that one he he hauled in for for that score. But um, yeah, I think that's a really good uh, breakdown of that with with some of the issues that he's had. But none of those today. Um, I don't know if he was kind of trying to to channel his inner Devonte Adams, who I think is very much a, a hand catcher at this point. He had. He's made some some tremendous catches on some um slightly inaccurate balls from Rogers and had another one or two of them today. But um yeah, no, great, great performance by MVS. I'm I'm happy for the guy. I'm I'm rooting for him, and it's you know, it was nice to see that today. After a couple games where, you know, he didn't really have a whole lot of production, too.
2: Yeah. Speaking of rooting for guys, one more hit on the offense, and it is my man. <laughs> Big f- Bob, Mr. Tunyon, Mr. Robert Tunyon Jr. Is he a junior? Did we?
1: <laughs> I think he's a junior.
2: He's a junior. Well, uh, not a junior in the touchdown category. Nine touchdowns this season. I just, you know, I have, I, you, usually I've got like a question I'm going to throw to you. I just wanted to celebrate. I love when <laughs> when the Packers have a good tight end. It is rare. And it's my favorite position for no particular reason, and I'm just so thrilled that he has come on the way he has. Awesome to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's really turned into a key possession receiver on this team too. I mean, they went to him on that last third down to move the chains. Yep. Um, you know, got him on the the play action leak play. Um, they've got you know they went to him in a couple other spots where they needed to pick up some yardage on like second and longs, uh, to to get in a good position to. Uh, To move the move the chains on third down, so yeah, he's he's you know he is he the most physically gifted? Is he you know purely the 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 most talented tight end in the league? No, but he's absolutely one of the most productive between the ways he's getting open and just the way that the Packers are using him within the offense. And it's great to see he's absolutely going to make the Pro Bowl this year. I think I don't think there's any question in my mind about that. And yeah, it's it's he's really you know, making a mark on the Packers record book at that position.
2: Yeah. Well, we've been riding high talking about all this pr- production. So um, I don't mean to bring us down, but let's shift gears and, and talk about some not so nice things. Special teams for one, although, uh. <laughs> although Mason Crosby also uh, obviously with a 58 yard field goal was awesome. And I yep. uh, quite honestly did not expect that, uh, to go through. Um, but another crucial special teams blunder late in this game to give up a huge kickoff return is, is Meninga done after this, <laughs> this year? I mean, this is like several games in a row. It feels like
1: I, I see no pathway to him keeping his job. Honestly, at this point, even with, you know, even if the Packers were to go on and win a super bowl unless the special teams suddenly become a massive strength um and particularly in the in the coverage units because you know that's that's two games in a row three out of the last 5 i think with major long returns you know the two punt returns but hey at least we know that Mason Crosby is a better tackler than JK Scott so <laughs> Absolutely. For us.
2: Jeez. <laughs> oh, where's my rim? I don't have a rim shot. Um <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and, and also Menenga avoided a, a major disaster with that, um, with the onside kick that ultimately did yeah. go out of bounds. But I mean, that was, you know, a few inches away from going the other way.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, you wonder how, how much longer the Packers can, can keep having terrible special teams. I mean, yeah. there it's been this way for the better part of the last decade, right. You know, going back to Zook, going back to Slocum, Um and honestly, like I'm trying to remember the last year where I felt like the special teams top to bottom were overall a strength on this team. And 1996. And I'm kinda, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm kind of coming up empty here. So, you know, they're not as bad as say the chargers, but that's, that's the lowest possible bar to clear at this point. Yeah. Cause the chargers special teams are epically historically bad this year. So um you know, saying that you're not as bad as the, the potentially the worst unit in history is not something to be proud of. And, um, yeah, I, I would be shocked if Menenga comes back next year.
2: Who's, uh, who's down in, uh, for the chargers. Is that Ron Zook? Did he, uh, water, <laughs> water ski on over there?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I think I actually, the, the charger special teams coach, I believe is the former wide receivers coach for the Vikings. Um, up until a couple years ago. So. Sure, why
2: not? That makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, but just yeah, don't no no. There there's got there's gotta be a change coming, right? Come on.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of gotta be a change, maybe a change. I don't know. <laughs> defense, you know, well, there's, there's not a lot to complain about this year. Um, in terms of just the the team is winning, productive. We're here to celebrate all this good stuff. Um. But but and, um, you know, this isn't a cop out, but I'm not smart enough always to know when something is like on the players versus the, the coordinator. But Tex, I couldn't help but come away from several series in this game. Again, very annoyed with Mike Pettin. What did you think broadly of the way the defense looked today and how that reflects on Pettin?
1: I'm I'm frustrated having seen this defense play a lot of man last week against Philly and have a lot of success. Um, go back to a really zone heavy scheme yeah. again against a quarterback who's probably more likely to be able to beat zone coverage than a guy like Carson Wentz, who has been chasing ghosts for the last year. Um, Matthew Stafford is too good to not be able to, to find holes in the zone as oh, long yeah. as he's got just enough time to get the ball away. And in the first half, there were points where he didn't, I mean, Packers had four sacks in the first half and the pass rush looked like it was really, um, pretty strong. But yeah, that's, that's, I think my biggest gripe is you've got some guys, I think, who can, who can really play well in more of a man scheme. Um, you got a guy in Jair Alexander who can play in anything. I mean, he can cover anybody in, in any kind of scheme you want him to. So it's, it's clear that yes, you know, it's still the, the philosophy of, You'd rather die by a thousand cuts than by you know one massive gunshot, um, but you still die either way, and that's the thing that kills me about <laughs> about Pettin's approach. So, um, yeah, the the I would almost at this point, you know, I would take the the one or two big plays on occasion um, if it means that the Packers would you know get the stops more consistently and. You know, be able to make plays on the football because they're actually sticking to receivers. Yeah. So that's my biggest gripe at this point.
2: And you mentioned Jair Alexander. I I joked a couple of weeks ago about the Packers <laughs> wasting his prime, but I mean, really, here's a guy who is playing out of his mind this year, and this team still blows all of these like favorable defensive down and distance plays. It is just, it's it's frustrating. Frustrating mm-hmm. to watch a guy with uh, such talent, such swagger, pass breakups, diving all over the place, working his ass off to make plays for this team, and it's just—I don't know—it's—it's it's frustrating. I'm thankful for him, and I'm uh, frustrated for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, with with some of the holes that this team has, um, particularly in the middle of the field, with with Christian Kirksey in coverage, for example. Um, you know they made some changes with the, in the slot. They I think they pulled Chandon Sullivan at one point in the second half and put Will Redmond in there. You know why would you ever target Jair Alexander at that? Yeah, point? just you know let him let him play on an island. Just ignore that side of the field. Pull the the old Richard Sherman treatment and and try to find places you know to go with the football on the other side of the field. And you know I think the the analytics probably this week won't will not be very kind to Kevin King because it seemed like he got picked on a little bit. Um, you know, certainly, you know, Kirksey had his issues in coverage again. They didn't do as bad of a job on T.J. Hawkinson as I was expecting they would. Um, <laughs> I think he he caught six of eleven targets for like forty three yards, so not a you know not a bad stat line for another really good tight end. But um, yeah, there's there's it just seems like there's so many holes on this defense. Um, In coverage, at least. And, you know, I I do think some of that is schematic more than anything else.
2: Yeah. On Hawkinson, one of those was uh, at least one of those was a a Chase Daniel pass that was a little off the mark. But um, let's let's get back to as we wind down. Let's get back to positive. I I saw Vernon Scott make a few plays. Is there a guy that we haven't mentioned that maybe you want to highlight?
1: I mean, he's a guy. I think uh, he he still qualifies for guy status. If I'm if I'm not. He is up for
2: adoption. (laughs)
1: Yeah, seventh-round rookie, you know. But, no, he he had a couple of nice plays. He had a big uh, pass breakup on a play that I think ended up, you know, getting nullified by a defensive penalty anyway. Why not? Um, (laughs) I I thought a couple – Adrian Amos had a couple of really nice plays um, in in coverage, a couple of big plays right around the line of scrimmage in in the passing game. So um, some some credit to him there. And then uh, there was a little sequence, I think, where Dean Lowry had a nice little uh, two play sequence where he mm-hmm. got, a, a got a real sack. good stop in the run game for about a two yard gain and then just burst through for a sack of Stafford. So, um,
2: that sack was really funny because he breaks through the line yeah. and you can <laughs> see the gears in his head, like, uh, don't get fined, don't get a flag. So he just kind of like pushes, uh, Stafford on the shoulders and that like, startles Stafford a little bit, but he doesn't go down. So Lowry's like, okay, fine, I'll wrap you up. And he just sort of hugs him (laughs) and walks him backwards. It was like this most, it was the, it was the most like modern NFL sack I've ever seen. (laughs) I
1: I joked that he sacked Stafford twice on the same play. (laughs) It was, it was ridiculous. So um, yeah, I mean, there again, I, I keep coming back to this defense seems to be so much less than the sum of its parts and there's only you know, at some point when that's the case that falls on leadership, that falls on coaching. Yeah. And you know, there, there's again, no shortage of talent here. It's, it's a matter of getting this team to work cohesively together and putting them in positions to succeed. And um, it just doesn't feel like that's being done.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, there are no truly elite teams this year I think is the theme we've hit on. Every team is flawed. The Packers are flawed, but I want to end and just, Feeling positive. The Packers are division champions. They sit atop the conference, control their own destiny. If they win out, they get the number one seed, and and that's a big deal. We're going to be back in a couple days, and and I know that you guys have sent in your note nugs to at the APC pod, and some of them do skew negative, so there'll be plenty of time to to chew on that stuff. But I wanted to end positively and just say uh, super thrilled with another division championship. And um, I don't know, man. Let's get this uh, conference lead over the finish line.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, a couple of, couple of home primetime games coming up with Carolina and, and Tennessee. That one's going to be, I think the interesting one. And yep. then, uh, yeah, hopefully finish it off with a win in Chicago. And, um, you know, good things have happened when the Packers played Chicago in week 17 over the last decade or so. <laughs> Damn so straight. Let's, uh, let's hope it doesn't maybe get as, uh, as dramatic as, as that 2013 game was, but, um, Maybe it'll maybe we'll get a little bit of a springboard effect like it did in 2010.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, hopefully we finish off well. I'm going to finish off this uh, this sip here and Mazzle to you, Tex. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we're going to hit the outro music. Packers win. Lions lose. Division champs, baby.
1: Woo.
0: Learn more today at sas.com slash viya.